Hey, hey, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Straight Up Show podcast. I am your host, Calvin. Join my co-creator, Brandon. How you doing, man? What's up? What's up? Okay, and today we're riding, uh, just me and Brandon this day, no Lee. Uh, and we'll say why. It's not because we're kicking Lee out, but uh, this is a very special episode. Uh, it's good. I call it the barbershop talk, but it's just a lot of us African-American men or black men uh, need to talk and get our voices heard. So this episode is just definitely dedicated uh, to those men. And I have uh, four special guests, uh, some I know, uh, some I don't know, I just met, but just that's how we have to do is just talk about it. And so uh, first off, I want to introduce uh, a guest that we met on our previous podcast, Brandon, uh, remember Dorsey. So uh, we had oh, a- Oh yeah, a, I remember Dorsey. Yeah, Dorsey and uh, Brandon. <laughs> Dorsey and Brandon has some. Uh, we did a podcast on uh, uh, Brandon. What's the proper title of it? Don't do that. I look. It's a homeboys podcast. It's a friends it podcast. Our, uh, yeah, the, was, the, the the real inspectors. The real inspectors. Shout uh, out podcast, to the real inspectors podcast. So big shout out to them. But we met our friend Dorsey, and Dorsey gave some uh, powerful insights on black films and. Uh, him and Brandon became bitter enemies. No, I'm just kidding. Like, <laughs> more, more, more like bitter friends. Oh, man. I've oh, had, had that guy beside me anytime. I appreciate yeah. that. Same but, likewise. But Dorsey, thank you for coming. Dorsey's a, a gamer and content creator. So, Dorsey, thank you so much uh, for being on our show today. Ah, man, appreciate you having me. I just wanted to bring that same energy we had from Real Inspectors. And uh, right now we're having that dialogue, you know, not only amongst ourselves, amongst black men, black women, but the rest of, of the United States and the world is listening. So I, I just want to be able to get my voice out um, and put my two cents in. So I appreciate y'all allowing me to, to do that. Thank you. Anytime, man. Anytime. And next we have a good friend of mine, brother Elmo. Elmo, how you doing today, sir? <laughs> I'm good, man. Praise God. Praise God. God is good. God is good. They call you Brother Elmo, right? Brother Elmo. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I've been Some people Elmo. call me Officer Simpson. You know, I go, you know, I just, you know, I don't try to get too caught up in titles, man. You know? Right. And right. that's cool. And that's cool. And like, uh, we call you Officer Elmo. Elmo is uh, uh, law enforcement for a couple of years now. So, and I've been doing Elmo since high school, play football with Elmo. And, uh, man, we have some battles on the field, too. So, uh, and actually, Elmo has been an inspiration to me past high school, even being an adult. So, uh, glad to have Elmo on the show, too. So, thank you, Elmo. All right, next up, next up, we have uh, Dother. Dother, man, just uh, Dother Sykes, man. Just uh, writer. Super talented Dother Sykes. Super talented writer, actor, comedian, entrepreneur, relationship whisperer. <laughs> man, glory to be to God, man. That's, I just let God use what I got, man. That's all. Yeah, man. And we've been knowing Dother. A lot of us been knowing Dother since high school. And man, just to see you shine, man. Dother's been in uh, Holly. We call him Hollywood, but man, he's one of the most humbling people. But he's been in the movies with Fifty Cent, The Rock. Uh, man, you can just name it, man. Just uh, you, I mean, you sure, can brag about sure. you can brag about yourself, though. I mean, you can tell us who you worked with. You know, just. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, I probably worked with everybody but Will Smith and Disney Washington. I can think of. Hey, yeah. call me, call me when you work with Will Smith. I gotta meet that guy. I'll let you know because I yeah. got some questions to ask. We right we now. all have some questions. <laughs> we all have questions Uh-oh. for Will wait, right now. Wait, I must miss something. I must miss something. Boy, oh, I tell man. you what. That's another one. <laughs> that's, 
that's another episode for uh, the the relationship whisperer. So we'll yeah. ask those there about that later on. But uh, getting back into it, last but not least, I think one of the most uh, brilliant minds I've seen in a long time, somebody I admired since high school, uh, Pastor CJ. Uh, CJ is the co-founder, or the founder and CEO of CJ Enterprises, LSC, and director of KOKA radio station in Shreveport, Bossier. But you can hear him almost everywhere. Right. Pastor CJ is on the show. Man, I'm telling you, we have a mega cast. Pastor CJ, thank you for being on the show. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here and to join with all of my brothers to share in this, uh, what I believe is going to be a good dialogue. Yes. Yes, sir. And I think so, too. And so uh, y'all just don't know, man, just to have these guys in this, however long we're going to go today, just to have these guys in our area today talking, uh, this is going to be a great episode. We want to make sure you guys stay stay tuned in and stay tuned to this episode because it's going to be one you don't want to miss. Okay, so today, like I told you, this show is just about how uh, black men can just get their voices heard. I mean, we have we all have platforms, but uh, I wanted to get these guys because Brandon, these are some of the most talented guys I, I've witnessed in my lifetime. And uh, I, I start with Dota because you know, well, I start with you, man, because me and you, we we go through battles like almost every day, every week. But just it's it's hard to go to be a black man in America and not have that outlet to have somebody to talk to, especially another black man that is going through maybe the same thing you're going through. Yeah. True, true. Definitely facts, true. Facts. And uh, like Brandon, you and I talked, but then like, I think me and ha- we, we had a conversation uh, last week. And then right after you hung up the phone, Dota calls me like at 1130 at night. And like, I, I was going to block Dota. Like, man, who is this? Because <laughs> now let me tell y'all, Dota didn't call me. Don't to tell them what you did to me when you. <laughs> I, I face like I FaceTimed him like at it was about 11:45. I FaceTimed like he was a side chick. First <laughs> you know you don't want. <laughs> <laughs> I FaceTimed him with a two one three number, and I'm like, he he's not gonna answer. He's not nah, gonna answer. Nah, I'm, so, gonna answer. <laughs> I'm not gonna answer at all. It just came out of nowhere. I'm like, first off, you gotta get like a text message or a phone call. This random on this FaceTime, and so I'm like, man, this might be somebody on the other line. Like, I got a child. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. Because you had texted saying, who this? I was like, oh, he might be with a girl or something. My bad. <laughs> I didn't think about that for. I'm married, so I, I won't think about that no more. So it was like, all right. So I was like, oh, it's dope. But I had called him that day because, you know, I was going through, uh, I'm still going through my contacts because I believe in space. So that's what everything I do, because I find myself having a whole bunch of numbers and nobody to call to talk to, and we have to fix that. Right. Because there's no point having a whole bunch of numbers if you don't conversate anybody. So I was just going deleting, and Calvin, he's a C, so I just made it. I'm still in the Cs. 
So, Charles, you next. So, if you don't answer your phone, you better give me your number now. <laughs> I think you said the C's on purpose. <laughs> wow. No, I'm dude. Well, I, I had this. I had the same contact since high school. So you got to think about how many A's and B's that I had to go through. So I'm not spending the whole day doing it. I'm just like, all right, I'm not doing anything right now. So I'm going through my contact. So if you don't answer your phone, well, I'll call you, Charles. Hey, better give me a new number. I never had yours, Elmo. So, and I, I got you, Brandon. I got you saying that. Say this camera guy. What? <laughs> Man, you just get the whole bees and just. My, my thing is, I, 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 at least I'm in there. I guess, yeah. <laughs> I made the cut. I know it's you though. That's why. <laughs> Man, but and that like just doing that small little phone call to somebody because. Like, man, I think I was talking to Brandon that night about just me just, I mean, I got a nice job, good, I got a nice apartment, and I got a good car, and, you know, God has blessed me, uh, but I was just feeling down, and I don't know if it's because of what's going on in the world right now, but, you know, I used to be heavy in a church, and this is where I, I, I kind of, and I just remember being on Facebook one night, and I saw Elmo go live with him and his wife, and they were just preaching the, the word of God. And Charles, I don't know if you follow uh, Elmo, but man, just some of the stuff they were saying, just, it, it made me feel like I, ne I need to talk to somebody. And man, just Elmo was there. And man, can, man, Elmo, do you remember that night me and you talked that night on, on Facebook Live? or? Oh yeah, I remember it. <laughs> For sure. And Charles, and Charles like, uh, and like I said, I don't, I'm not as faithful <laughs> as I used to be, like I want to be. Um, but do you see this a lot in your in your ministry? Do you see that people get, uh, and I, I'm, and I, I've seen a couple of your lives, but do you see people get quote unquote church hurt? Well, you know, first I would say even in, you know just kind of listening to your story is one of the things that I always tell people is that we have to understand that Christianity is a journey. It is an experience. Um, um, and with any journeys, with any experiences, there are always going to be um, unplanned circumstances, which uh, we may find ourselves um, to be faithful in one season. We may find ourselves to be unfaithful in another season. Um, and we have to realize that um, even when we are unfaithful, God is still faithful. You know, God still continues to cover up all of us and our family. Uh, with his grace and his mercy. And I'm going to tell you, you know, that is today um, that I think is somewhat pertinent to your question um, because I've seen a lot in ministry. I've been in ministry for now going on 16 years. Um, and not only have been in ministry, I have uh, went through many experiences and I'm now in seminary um, at United uh, Theological Online in Dayton, Ohio, uh, trying to finish a doctorate uh, in ministry. And the, the, because of both my education and my experience, uh, it has broadened my thought as it relates to people and their Christian experience, their journey. And I've just learned that in any organization, even as an entrepreneur in business, um, you're always going to meet people at either their um, high point in life or the low point in life or even in the middle. I think the best answer to your question is um, not 
defining a person by where they are. I think the best answer um, is meeting the person uh, where they are. And if they're at that high point, help being that encouragement to keep them there. If they're at that low point, help them um, get up from where they are because we're, we're, we're called um, as Christians to edify. We're called not only to edify, but we're called to build up. We're called to love. You know, if I see my brother Elmo or if I see my brother Dolter dealing with something and they're sharing it with me and I, I'm not, uh, my, my initial reaction is not to judge, it's not to criticize, it's not to um, put down, it's to figure out how can I uplift someone in their moment of need? Because even when somebody is dealing with a circumstance like being unfaithful in ministry or being unfaithful in church, that's a need. They need encouragement. They need direction. They need guidance. They need insight. And so my role and responsibility as someone who is in ministry is to provide them with that um insight. In fact, that's what Jesus did. I mean, Jesus was a guide. He was a, a roadmap. Jesus, um, in fact, um, he never criticized the person for being in a situation. He always ministered to the situation. And so I think that um, that's pertinent. I think that's very important. So wherever people are, it's not about um, saying, you know what, you're at a low point, you're not faithful, you know, I can't know because I'm called to the unfaithful, I'm called to the faithful, I'm called to the person at the high point, the midpoint, the low point, and uh, that's how you be effective um, in ministry, and that's what I practice um, in the ministry God has given me. And that, man, that's, I never looked at it like that. And that's yeah, what you said. Can I touch so, on that point, what you yeah, said? Yeah, yeah. Bro, like, after Charles was the last preacher I actually like tend to a church and actually hear preach, I st I'm still in the word. But I can always remember the last sermon you had. He said, don't become too holy when you become too faith. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I was like, okay, let me see what you got going, Charles. He was saying, we have to stop acting like we're the messengers. Like, we're not the messengers. Jesus was the messenger. Like, you have to understand that we're not perfect. We have to do, we have to do. Things is going to fall. Like, when I, to this day, I still say that to this day, bro. I still say that to this day. Because we get so caught up of being uh, that guy. Like, we're, we're God sent, you know. But realistically, he was already sent. We just have to follow that law and pass it on to the next man that's down. But Charles, I, I just wanted to say that because that right there been stuck to me. And I think that needs to be, you know, out there again. Cause yeah. a yeah, lot it of does. Well, I think that I think that is, you know, very important. And you know, brother uh, Dolter has always been a friend and brother um to me. And I think that statement is profound in a sense to where the Bible says you will know a tree by the fruit it bears. And the reality is is that um, in any tree that we see in anybody's yard, and if there's anything growing on that tree, we can see the fruit. You know, mm -hmm. uh, fruit is not, if fruit, any, any fruit on a tree, it doesn't grow hidden. It grow visible. And mm -hmm. so I think that a lot of people must understand that if you're fake and you're that tree and you're growing, people are going to see your fruit, whether or not you want them to see it, you know, uh, it, yeah. it's inevitable. Right. So mm -hmm. it, it might as well, you might as well be honest. You might as well be upfront. Mm -hmm. um, and then living an honest life actually takes a lot of pressure off life. 
oftentimes when we live, um, you know, when we live a life that's full of, um, um, I, I can't say all the words I want to say, but we live a life that's, that's, that's fake and we live a life that's not real. I think it, it puts a lot of pressure on us and I think it causes us to be things that we're not. And I think it causes us to bear fruit that are not fruit that are real, but it's ornament fruit. It's Christmas mm -hmm. tree. And yeah. so I think that uh, we got to realize that God has not called us to bear Christmas tree fruit. He's called us to bear real fruit. Right. right, facts. Yeah, and that, that's that. That's true facts. And the thing is, the reason why I asked this, Charles, because I, I grew up in a a predominantly white church, and and I think that with the reason why I left, like Doctor said, like just my last time attending was, uh, it was two thousand eight, and no, two thousand twelve. I'm sorry, and it was like the second uh, running of Obama, and I just remember the last thing I heard in the pulpit was a white member saying, dear Lord, get the devil out of office. And when I heard that, it just made me feel like I wasn't welcome. And then fast forward until 2020, with we all know what's going on right now in the world, and just to see constant police brutality and stuff like that, even seeing members online that, that helped me grow up in the church and kind of teach me the word, say these racial and bigotry uh and prejudice things it is scary and it's like man i am a man i haven't never been to jail but y'all look at my skin color before my christianity and that's scary i mean what do y'all think so oh, let me jump in on a couple of things I, I i i grew up in the church i'm not i'm not an active in the church right now i found it interesting we had a pastor here i kind of smiled when he said that um no shade or nothing i just i did smile um it's a battle i deal with my mom every day in terms of church i'm sure as black men you guys can understand what i say when i mean that mm -hmm. um but i will say a couple of things i want to piggyback off a couple of things first i want to go back to what pastor cj was saying in terms of meeting people at their worst their best or in their middle i think that's something that as black men we need to start um start recognizing for each other that crab in a barrel mentality um can be prevented if we recognize that a lot of times you might see somebody who are shining but really they, they they're at their worst and that's just a defense mechanism and we need to recognize that we need to start being there for each other on that myself right now you guys met me in a, in a middle crossroads um i just quit a corporate job to go back to school and so right now i'm at a you know i'm at that crossroads so i can appreciate you saying that because we do need to recognize that um in terms of 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 religion and things like that and Christianity that's a hard one man it's a, it's a hard one for me especially with what's going on right now um, I don't want to really want to get off topic but what's going on right now what we know with our history with Christianity uh, it's just it's a hard pill for me to swallow these days very specifically a lot of times you know thoughts and prayers my mom said today we need to have thoughts and prayers about the kids going to school and I'm just I get it I understand it, but uh, is that going to stop these kids from getting sick, you know, really, and things like that? And so that's where I'm at with that. So I just want to throw no, and, 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 and that's fine to have your two cents and have your opinion about that. And we, we don't want to just dwell too much on that. But I said the most important thing is, like you said, and like we've all been saying, is that we are black men and we need to do more for each other. And we're going to talk about why uh, coming up next. Stay tuned. Yo. 
what's up brandon fountain here with straight up if you don't know you should know by now straight up is now a podcast so quite sure there's a lot of people that you know just want to talk and just want to say something want to get their voice out there and what's a better place to do it than here hey if you want to be on the show and you have a subject slide into the dms let us know expect a lot of great subjects comment what you think uh give us feedback and hey you guys will be straight up and you all try to practice social distancing so we can get this stuff past us all right so i want to start this part just get y'all's opinion right quick and i'm gonna start with elmo uh elmo the black man in america is fill in the blank i think the most i think the the best word to describe the black man i would say is powerful and 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 for us being powerful and not knowing it makes us number one a target and since we since we are that powerful and we have became a target it's hard for us to know what kind of power we possess because we've been oppressed for so long, for forever. If you think of, if you think about it, as far as I can remember, we've been oppressed. Um, so that's, to me, I know, I know that we are powerful. Um, I feel like if more black men knew how powerful they were, they will, they'll tap into the things that God has for them. And I'm not, trying to get biblical, um, right, but right. even, but even, even from like the piggyback off of everything that everybody been saying, and this ain't even biblical, but I think one of the biggest problems that we have is that we don't put ourselves in other people's shoes enough. You know, um, can you, can you, uh, can you actually elaborate on that? If you don't mind, just kind of go in detail. When about I say, that. when I, when I say put ourselves in other people's shoes, as far as like, you know, and it's, and this part is biblical you know, pray for understanding, you know, just to have a level of understanding. Like for me, that's why I look back and I'm like, man, I, I, I just praise God for him allowing me to, to, to live in so many different situations so that I can relate to so many different kinds of people. Like going to Bird was just a tremendous blessing for me to, I'm, I'm, I'm living in the hood, but I'm going to this school. I have teammates who got, like my house can, like my like my whole street can probably fit inside the gate, you know what I mean? And seeing how they live, and then having a father that sold drugs, and he he got a chance to put us in a real decent neighborhood before that to get taken away. Like thinking about all of that, so I I I live broke, I live kind of wealthy, and I've seen rich people, and I've seen other people that was poor. So I can like. I can relate to so many different people. I think that's a blessing for me because I can put myself in other people's shoes as far as understanding what they what they saying, like well, what what they do like this. I like it's hard for me to just go straight to judgment because I'm like, man, why did they do that? Like it gotta be a reason behind whatever happened to this person. You know what I mean? Or whatever this person just did. It's a reason behind it. So let right. me put myself in their shoes. Let me find out who this person is before I can just go quick to judgment. Now it's different if you are, if you're a believer, you know, and I, and I judge you cause I can't rightfully judge you 
but at the same time, I'm still gonna love you and try to lift you up and bring you and help you come out of whatever it is that you're in. So like with like with me being in law enforcement and seeing some of the things that I've seen, heard some of the stuff that I've heard, and me being who I am, I speak up. I'm talking, hey, what you mean? You know, I remember <laughs> I remember when I first bought my truck, it's jacked up, you know. What they would call what? A white boy truck, you know what I mean? And uh, so I bought it and I heard, you know, everybody in the, you know, in the meeting, we getting ready for our shift. They were like, man, who 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 bought that new who truck that is outside? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, that's Simpsons truck. Simpsons? You know? I'm like, what man, I can't ride like y'all. I'm gonna I'm say something. No, 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 I didn't mean it like this. Yeah, that's exactly how you meant it. So let's talk about it. And that's and you bring those conversations up. I mean, that's just one of the things. Like you, you hear things, but then you gotta look at that person. Like, why did this person? Why do you think that way? And for me, I don't think nobody is just born a bad person. I think either they're hurt or they learned this from somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you just try to put yourself in people's shoes and understand where they're coming from or why they do what they do or why they say what they say. Like th thinking about that woman, like whoever you heard at your church, like. Get that mm -hmm. devil out of the office. You know what right. I mean? You could you could say, man, dang, that's hurtful because he's black. But what if they wasn't looking at his color at the time? What if they was looking at some of the things that some of the laws that he passed, or you know what I mean, or some of the things that he did that really didn't benefit us as people as black people, or that that stood on the same lines as as, as Christ. You know what I mean? Right. So you can you can quickly say because it came from her. But if a if a black person was to say that, get this devil out of the office, everybody be like, Look what you mean? Like you think, yeah, you know, think it's funny. But, but you know, so I man, it's 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 so much, man. But anyway, yeah. I think yeah. I think the black man is powerful and, and the enemy knows how powerful we are. Right. And that's why they work so hard to keep us oppressed. That's why they're killing us on the streets. You know, that's why they want they don't want to give us equal opportunity. That's why they don't. That's why they, they, they make up all these laws to keep us in prison because they know how powerful we are. They know it. And I just want a secret. No, and you're right. And, uh, and Dorsey, I just want you just to kind of the same question, just if you can. The black man in America is. You feel in? And the first word that comes to mind is, I guess, misunderstood. It feels like we're misunderstood or misrepresented. We're misrepresented. Mis you know, there's there's some misrepresentation on us, um, and that goes back to, uh, I guess, four hundred some odd years ago when we were told that we were property. You know, we went from from being functional members of of the globe to being property, and that's you know. So, I think we're misrepresented. We're misunderstood. We have a lot of anger, and we have a lot of justified anger. Um, and I think the media, specifically in America, they flip that anger and they don't talk about why we do the things they do. They don't talk about the the inherited, you know, mental issues and things like that. Like just to get off of it a little bit, like, you know, to piggyback, a lot of people want to talk about reparations right now. I don't think we need cash. I think that's going to mess up a lot of people. We get an influx of cash. Now, if they can work out a way that they can do that, that's fine. I'm never going to say, hey, don't give me no money. I think we need generational mental health. Um, I think we, as black people, period, need 
a lot of that. I think we need to go and talk to people about issues from from not only where we growing up now, but those passed down issues that you heard your grandmother's talking about and your aunt talking about, and those things that we just know that we just inherently have. And so I think we have that misrepresentation, that misunderstanding, um, and we don't have anybody actually out there saying, hey, you know what? I believe they're just not doing it now. But we haven't had people saying, you know what? This is the cause for this. And because of that, you know, we get a bad rap globally, man. It's not cool. Yeah. And I can definitely testify that that is global. Uh, I mean, I've talked to people in Russia and they, I remember just seeing them online and, you know, just they look at us and start laughing at us and they, you can see them typing and they spelled out N E G G E R from Russia. And it's like, wow, that's, that's how you see me. Yeah, and man. That, that hurt. So, I mean, I definitely can say that, Hey, that's, what you see on TV is not real. I just, uh, to just to real follow up to, to, so when Black Panther came out, they did an interview with Koreans. Um, Koreans were watching Black Panther and their whole perception on us, it, just little mini interview changed. They asked him, you know, how do you feel about black people? I think they're cool. I think they're awesome. My whole life I grew up about, and they literally said from what Hollywood depicted criminals, drug dealers, robbers, abusers, things like that. And they said they saw Black Panther and all of a sudden they see that we can be something else. And that right there just says, you know, Hollywood, America, the stigma that they put on us, like I said, it's just misrepresentation, man. It is, it's a bad look for all of us. It's being Black misunderstood. Man, yeah, it's misunderstood. Sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Dorsey. Uh, CJ, uh, same question, man. If you can just, just sum it up, just the Black man in America is... Well, you know, I, I, I would say I actually have two words, but I can use a hyphen to make it one word. Um, so I would think that uh, the black man in America is the undefeated underdog. And the reason why I would say that is because I think sometimes we can, we can be so socially uh, oppressed um, to where uh, Dorsey was speaking about mental health to where the trauma for the African-American man has been to believe that we do not know the height of success, um, that we only know poverty, we only know a lack of education, we only know struggle, we only know, um, you know all of these things. Now, the reason why I say uh, undefeated underdog, because there are six African-American billionaires um, in the United States of America. Only one is a female only one. Five of them are men. You have Robert F. Smith, who is a tech genius, and um, Robert F. Smith is the richest black man in America. You have Jay-Z, who took a rap career and turned into a business mogul and built a a business model that is crazy, none other. You have an NBA player, Michael Jordan, um, who basically took his skill from the court and created a great business model, entrepreneurship. You even have the craziest guy, you know, uh, because I can get into politics, but the craziest guy, Kanye West, who is now showing on Forbes to have built a billion dollar enterprise um, and have taken his 
um, music career and transition it into that. You also have David Stewart, which a lot of people, you know, don't really know about David Stewart, but people have to know that David Stewart is a IT service professional that sold his technology to companies like Verizon and Citigroup and all of these different things and a black billionaire. So I think that there are scenarios and there are cases to where we can show the black man as a successful black man, not disnoting the disparities and the oppression and um, the mis, um, under, being misunderstood. But I think that if we're ever gonna move from a place of trauma to triumph, we have to start focusing on those prominent black men who are actually making a difference, who, who are making it in a white man's society who's making it in a culturally um, disadvantaged society. And I think that you look at that by looking at stories of how men have overcome. If you look at the story of Robert F. Smith, you would see that this man is a billionaire, a black billionaire in technology. Now, how many, how many black men you know that are out there making billions of dollars from technology? I named right. five of those black men. I named five of those black men, and three of them came from either music or sports. Entertainment, yeah. And so the thing is, is that I think that, and even in music or sports, if you look at those careers of Jay-Z, Jay-Z was an underdog. Look at, look at his beginnings. I mean, he had humble beginnings and look at how, how he rose from the ashes. Kanye West. I mean, look, look, look at, you know, his beginnings and where he came from. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan failed more and was denied more in sports than, 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 than many people appreciate. A lot of people study success, but sometimes they don't study failures as well. Right, and so exactly. I think right. that the black man in my view, in my point of, uh, point of view, is an undefeated underdog, which means that there are a lot of black men out there who are every day overcoming circumstances. I look at Dother, I look at Elmo, I look at all of you guys that are on here. The odds are completely against all of us. Right. Like literally right. against all of us, but you're raising a family, you're taking care of your kids, you're, you're, you're paying you know, your bills, you're going to work every day, you got income, you know, you're dealing with all the things. I think we're all in a society where people have counted the black man out, but the reality of the fact is the black man has always been undefeated. Can I rebuttal that a little bit? Yeah, go ahead. So I agree with you. We are undefeated. Um, and I agree with you. We need to focus on the successes of our people. But it, so even when you count the richest black people in America, it always comes down to entertainers. It comes down to pretty much entertaining white people. You, you have a few that have broken out the tech geniuses and things like that. But we, even when you account the richest black people in America, and you put all of that in a pot, uh, it's, it's to say we're an underdog is true, but it's we're an underdog to a point where it's almost like the average person still can't get over that hump. Regardless of what Kanye and them are doing, if you take into account for, you know, just the wage gap in general within America, you take all the rich black people and you combine them and you take all the rich and poor white people and we're still having uh, a, a tremendous wage gap and so to say that we're the underdog it's a little bit deeper than that yeah we're underdogs and yeah we overcome that's just what we are we've been doing that since the beginning but we still need something additional 
because all of us aren't just going to be able to do what Kanye did and do what the tech guys did and do what Jay-Z did because we're right. still at that that huge disproportionate uh, wage gap in, in our families and things like that. So it makes it a little bit harder. And, uh, and that's what, I think that's what he was trying to say about and that, that when it comes to your mental health aspect, there I, is more I, to... And Sorry. I would like to add, I would like to add, you know, and, and, and I understand dialogue, you know, everybody's not going to agree in it. But the thing that I'm saying is, is that, um, or, or let me go back to this, because I heard something you said earlier, Dorsey, that I, um, I, I believe it's, it's thought, but I believe practical thought could be applied to it. And what I mean by that is that um, you said that you didn't believe in reparations in terms of cash, in terms of, you know, people getting money for the oppression that was caused by a racist society that we still live in. Not outright cash. There has to be a specific way we do that. If they so, just gave us a check like they did the stimulus, that's not going to be good for us. So, so, and, and I agree, I agree with that, but I also, you know, if, if, if I can add to that particular uh, conversation, because what you're saying is basically me looking at successful figures that are billionaires, and I know that you're saying that there's an underlining disadvantage there with a lot of people who would never get to that height of success. But let me say this, I think, and I've been advocating this, and, and I'll just say this publicly, I'm going to say something on this show that I, I said I wasn't going to say publicly because I, I think that um, it is something that I'm currently working on. I'm not sure what hey, platform be, this is going to be. Be real, be real, but, man, but, straight but, up. But, but the thing is, is that I, I don't think um, that you can wipe away racism with a check. I do believe, I, I do believe that. But I also believe that you can show signs of improvement through education. And I, when I say education, I mean that for those African-Americans who are that underlining that may can never get to that plight of success, I believe it's because of a lack of education. I believe people perish because they don't have knowledge. The Bible says it. I believe that people are to have information, access the information. So I believe that instead of giving people checks, instead of giving people cash, I think we should give people credit. And when I say give people credit, um, we should help people watch this. And I and I just want to kind of kind of kind of explain this. When I, say give people credit, when I say give people credit, I'm just just I'm, I'm not talking about taking a black man and say I'm gonna give you an 800 credit score. No, I think what we should do is is put them in financial literacy, credit literacy. I think we should put them in entrepreneurship. I think we should put them in all kind of classes. People who are serious because you can't give anything to anybody that's not serious. I think it needs to be to people who are serious and you put them right. in these classes you test their knowledge and if they and if they do successful in the testing of their knowledge then you give them a credit score i'd rather you give me an 800 credit score than give me eight hundred thousand dollars because well, that's if you, if, okay. if, 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 if you give me an 800 credit score let me just say this it gives me not only it gives me not only access to create my own future and to create my own wealth so that I can actually feel accomplished versus feeling like someone gave something to me, but it gave me an opportunity to make decisions about my own future. So I think that um, uh, for me, I think that when reparations come for that underlining underdog, I think the reparations do not need to be checks. It needs to be education and credit. Thank See, you. I, I actually, hold on, uh, uh, Dorsey. Let me intervene. Charles, that is, to me, that is genius. Because you, you, it's not a handout, and you're giving to people who seriously want it, and you get that credit score. By the time you earn that credit score, 
you have a sense of responsibility. You're learning responsibility, financial responsibility. And I think that, like you said, Dorsey, and Louis, that this, you're right, the checks won't be enough. Uh, it, it, to me, it'll be irresponsible just to hand out checks because it's making more dependency, which we should not be depending on. But definitely, man, Charles, that you've articulated what I've been trying to say in my mind because so, I think that that's, that's right. But we're getting a little off topic. We're going to hit that here in a second. We're getting a little off topic um, with this, but we're going to continue the conversation uh, with uh, Brandon. Brandon, same question that everybody else has had. I know you kind of got to follow Charles and Dorsey, but uh, same question. The black man in America is. So I know <laughs> nobody has cursed yet. So I'm going to try to follow that and not say any words. Uh, Cause I know Be real. I, had, Be real. I had to blurp that, but the word I had to think hard was achiever. This is why I say achiever because at the end of the day, we as a black man always have to overcome, like CJ said, yes, we do struggle, but we always have a reason to overcome those struggles. And then we achieve these goals to get where we need to be. No matter how or what black person I think in my head, that person has always had to overachieve and get to where he or, well, yeah, he wants to be. Now, even when they're misunderstood, they have to go break through whatever barriers that leads to and achieve whatever goals they they want. The issue I feel like we have is I agree with everyone so far. The issues we have to do, the issues we have to deal with is we as a community need to literally help ourselves. Even if we defund the police, what happens after that? I know too many people that, you know, we have, I've learned, I just learned about like really the difference between chamber schools and public schools. You know, I, I went to Huntington. I have a bad, uh, I, I do not focus in school. So my education, probably not the best, but I'm more intelligent than a lot of people I know because I talk to people. And I don't just talk to black people. I talk to white people as well. Because if you want to get to where you want, where you, if you want to get to where your enemy is, you got to also know what the enemy knows. So my issue with black people is they want to completely take blame, which I know there is issues, but we also got to look at ourselves. I know too many people that could have got to where they should have been, but they were too busy doing something stupid. They could have used that money to, you know, pay whatever uh, debt they have. Right. Uh, Dorsey, you talk about wage gap. I understand. There's a wage gap everywhere. Everybody kind of deals with wage gap. But let me say, I had a humongous debt last year. I was working crazy jobs with my business trying to pay off all that. And I'm doing a wedding right now. Right now, I got my business making pretty good money with the business. I'm working at Planet Fitness overnight, and I'm working at uh, the uh, news station which is getting pretty hit right now because something stupid. But my issue with, <laughs> with the black community is there isn't that education. It's hard for them to achieve yeah. if they don't know, oh, I can have this. Oh, I can do this. I have access to that. Yeah. Oh, I can actually start working on my credit score now. You know, I can, I can actually like, you know, do these small things. I don't look it. 
the school system, that's a whole nother situation. I'm an entrepreneur. You know, yeah. there's other alternatives. Right. You know, sure. I think it's old generations that have given up and have given that bad, that, that bad, you know, personality, whatever, to the next generation. A and bad now trait. they hit bad, yeah, bad trait. And they, they already, from the start, kind of give up. Right. My, family, right. my, my grandmother didn't have this, you know, I'm good with what I got. Right. Okay. Hey, let me, let me, let me, help, let me, uh, went back to like the, the level of understanding. So when we look at our ancestors and we, we do see some of them may have gave up, quote unquote, you know what I mean? Right. But it's, it's easy for us to say that from looking from where we are now, looking back to where they were, but we're not thinking about, all right, slavery ended at what year? 1876, right? Four years after that, black people had a, had their own bank. Yeah. They, they just with, in four years, they, they raised more money than all the other banks in the country at the time. I think they were saying like, they, they raised like, whatever, if it was today, it would have been like $400 million in mm. four years though. Yep. They came in, the, the enemy came and took every dollar out of that bank and burnt it down. Fast forward to some years later, now we in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where they got Black Wall Street, burned it down. Now we, we can fast forward a few more years to Rosewood, Florida. They went through there, slaughtered them, burned them down. You know, and you looking at that, you see this as, as a black man. If I go do anything, they gonna kill me. If I get too powerful, I'm a target. They'll, try, they'll kill me. And they created oppression. Like that. Right. I, I mean, if you look at then, then you go, then you can fast forward to the sixties to the civil rights movement, and you got Malcolm X and you got Dr. King. Man, these are our heroes. What happened yeah. to them? Ain't no. Hey, they they make they show you all right. It don't matter how big you get, you ain't you ain't untouchable. Right. You know what I mean? And, and so looking, so black. Think about if them. I believe that they let them get so high just to chop their heads off to keep us oppressed. Like, think about that. Like, I'm going to show y'all, this is who y'all want to, y'all want to praise, y'all want to idol him. Mm. Let me kill him. Right. You know what I mean? And you being being a black person and seeing that, like, man, like, where is my hope? And then here we go to 2020, and we still got, like, part of my ministry, I go to the projects. You know, I'm educating. You know, Mm. that's, I come from the projects. But you know, the only thing that exposed, and I'm a firm believer, if you know better, you'll do better, right? So mm-hmm. when I when I go into the go into these communities, I see myself and a lot of those men, those guys, people that I talk to, I see I see either myself or I see my mama. You know what I mean? In in in, in either way. So when I go there and I talk to them, first thing I let them know is that don't did you know that Jesus freed you from, from poverty? Right. You know, did you know that? They're like, how did he free me for something and I'm right here? Yeah, because you're allowed to be here. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. that that goes back to us not knowing who we are and whose we are. Huh. I don't I mean I don't mean to try to get biblical, but huh. <laughs> that's the only way I can put it. Like people want to deny Christ. Right. They think that they paint this picture of him being a white man. I never said Jesus was white. You know, but when I say what does the matter, what does the color matter? And I, I don't the only reason why I say that because what matters the most is the truth what he did and what he and what he went through and why he did and why right. he went through what he went through he went right. through that to, to, he 
when we talk about freedom, you know, we just talking about slavery freedom. That he he freed us from more than just slavery. He freed us from from sin as well, from poverty. And in in, in 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 the Bible, it says in Galatians, it says, and anything else that the devil tries to throw at us, that's anything. Like if we think if we thought about that a little bit more, like you know what? Well, if I'm free, why I'm where I'm at right now? Because I don't know better to to go try to do better. And that's why. So my thing is like they want to talk about defunding the police, which I don't think is going to happen for one. Um, police officers are heck of underpaid. Yeah, it's you can't even. It's hard. I can't even provide for my family unless I'm working 16, 17 hours a day. You right. know, I'm, I'm I just now I'm a reserve deputy. I'm running another company now, and I got all kind of free time, so that's why I can do it. And anyways, I don't think that's going to happen because they're so underpaid. I don't know what they're doing with the money, but what I feel like, and people going to knock me on this, is the welfare, the social security, and all that stuff. My, not the not the social security for those that you know that's that need it. Not the welfare and food stamps for those who need it. I remember my my great grandma told me back in her day, you had to be over twenty eight years old, and if they did give you assistance, it was only for six months. So that way you can't you got you know like and and I believe that's a good thing to do because one thing I know about the black folks is is we survivors. If you take something from us, what we gonna do? We gonna we gonna figure out a way. I feel like they keep they give us all this to keep us there. Right. Think about it. Think about when slavery was going on and when they got none with slavery, they did the Jim Crow act and they it was they went to sharecropping. Well, black folks didn't get share their money. You know what they got? They got a, they got housing and they got food on the table. What that look like? And so when they gave them the option, hey y'all free, what we free? What we gonna go? What we gonna? We ain't got nothing. What we gonna do? Y'all can Maybe. still work here. And I'll give you a house, you know, we'll build y'all some little cots in the back mm -hmm. and we'll keep food on your table if you work, if you continue to work here. Boom, all right, cool. That, so what the, what, the, what the average black man gonna do? Like, or the black lady gonna say, well, I, I, I like what master does for us. He, he keep food on the table and, and I ain't gotta do this and do that. That's the projects, yeah. that's the and hood. That, and you know the, that, I, the government gonna pay, hold on, hold on. The government gonna pay 98% of our rent Mm -hmm. and they're gonna give us seven hundred dollars in food stamps who finna what what i'm finna go to work for for what my mama still this day don't work right never had a car you know right. what i mean only right. way that i only way that i broke i broke out of that is because my dad was a hustler i seen a little bit went to bird seen a whole mm -hmm. lot more went to college I'm like man what do y'all do i got to talk i'm gonna do this man i gotta break these chains off mm -hmm. my family somebody right. it gotta the change gotta start with somebody and I believe, like right now, man, it's it's a blessing to be black. Yeah, we're closer to what we think we are. Right, Calvin, Calvin, if I if I could, because I think what Elmo have just described is a perfect example of you know what I'm sharing. If if go, I go. can take a minute to go. two minutes just to properly interject. Don't, what, don't, he just, don't, what he just said. Don't ask me. Ask Dothar. Ask Dothar. Do you mind, Dothar? Can you take take a little time right quick? Man, look, everybody said all the words I was going to say, so go ahead, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> you got some. You got some in you. I, I think, but I, I think, I think, I think what Elmo just said is is, is so important. And he said a whole lot, and in just the in, in just the first part of what he said, mm. it, it, it make you realize the deepness of the oppression that African Americans have suffered through, not 
from present day, but for generations back right. in the 1800s. And yeah. that type of oppression, uh, when, when a person, and I've been trained, I've been biblically trained, I've been trained in ministry, to the best way to combat oppression is to get people to see their circumstance, but see the other side to their circumstance. Right, and right, oftentimes, right. I think oftentimes some people only deal with the circumstance that oppresses. Okay. Versus trying to show them the circumstance of opportunity. Elmo just gave a perfect story about, he said that I was living, you know, in humble beginnings. I was in the situation and I know all the Elmo people. I was living, you know, humble, humble beginning, humble situation, went to Bird, went to college, became a law enforcement officer, had to break the cycle. I think that the reason why I brought up the fact of the millionaires uh, and the billionaires and the credit is because oftentimes that if you want to keep a person oppressed, you keep feeding them oppression. You keep feeding them uh, negative information. You keep feeding them. You keep insulating them with struggle, with anger, with bitterness, with all of this. If you really want to break a cycle, you got to step outside of where you are and see something different. And I would add, just to throw this in there, I would add that I am completely, because I'm really feeling this thing now, I am completely <laughs> against defunding the police because I think that it is idiotic. I think that it is not a very wise thing. And the reason why I am against it is because when you talk about, I'm an entrepreneur, I run a six-figure company. And whenever, if, if I go to my business meeting tomorrow and say we finna defund some, the next word that I hear on the other side of defund is cut, which means if we defunding some, what are we gonna cut? Because we finna cut something because right. our resources are now limited. And so since our resources are limited, that means, watch this, defunding the police because of the type of oppression that we're dealing with, we got to realize that there are black men and women on those police police forces who, when we're talking about cut, could potentially lose their job. And you got a police officer on here who just said, we already ain't paid, we paid pennies anyway. So I'm just saying that when we talk about defunding the police, I don't think um, it, it's about defunding the police. I believe it's money that's in the reserves. I believe that it's money uh, in other funds. I mean, when, when we defund, what does that mean? And, and, and break that down into practical budget items. I'm not, I, talking about, I'm not talking about thought. When you say defund the police, what are we defunding? What are those budget items are we taking away? What can I give an example? So, it, you know, it, it, it means it means that's that's it means it's that was over two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I, I got excited. If y'all can say y'all thoughts about defunding the police for the next block, we can do that, okay? Okay, and that's okay, it's okay. Uh, but that was, before we get this last block out, I just want to uh, go ahead and get, get you. <laughs> <All> <laughs> just <right. go. laughs> no, it's okay, it's wrong. Uh, but if you, can you just, uh, just, just, just give us your answer for? Uh, the black man in America is. Everybody said everything, man. I know, right? He um, can't say nothing I, else. I, I, I mean, I, I would say we, we forget too easily, man. To be honest with you, we we forget too easily. We get this. I would say distracted first off, and most important because we had. I mean, we we had opportunities, man. Like, uh, just to reach back, like Martin Luther King, right? Just say you know, the whole thing behind it, not to get deep into it. When they fought, first fought for civil rights and voting, just because they said it okay, 
okay, what do you mean, okay? We got to read deeper behind that. Like, this justice system that happens today is because what they forgot to read over and make sure that we have the same equal justice as they do. But we don't. They also have to realize that everybody in our skin color can't be famous. But we have to support each other in something that somebody's good at and not just only be entertainers, but only like, okay, you're going to be a police officer. We're going to support you until you become police chief because we know how you are, we know how you work. And you're gonna hire the people that you know is gonna protect our people, and we're gonna make sure you're in the military. You're gonna be uh, with the um, uh, the Congress. We're gonna make sure you get on it. We're gonna support you. We're gonna push you. We're gonna vote. You know, like we have to push our people like they do overseas, and that's why they make people. Yeah, they like do. They, they do it here too, don't they? Huh? They do it here too. They do it here too. Yeah, they do it here too. But those, when black people, like those presidents, huh? ain't make it there by themselves. Somebody, somebody. Pushed them, they, paid for them, and, and got them where they, they come in. Like when when right. people with money, they use that overhead. Like Obama, to me, I feel like he was in office to make us hate Bush, and I feel like that is a fact because that when he came in that right time, after that, they're like, okay, let's go ahead and get him in office while we can, so these people basically can shut up because so that we can say we can do what we do. Like they trying to use that as not to be like part of. Oh, we we're not racist because we put a black man in office twice, basically. So they using that as a leverage. So and they use money to do stuff like that, just to say that oh, what you're saying is not true, because we're doing it. No, but you use the money like that's. But to us, we have to focus more on behind. Like people, a lot of black people don't know you can vote like every two years. But they all they only wait for four years to vote because they think the president, like you're not focusing on your own city first. Right. Like you complain about not being, oh, he got convicted because he was falsely accused, but the judge in there don't like black people. But it's your fault because you didn't vote for your city to get that judge out of there. We right. have to be we have right. to have knowledge of that and not focus on, oh yeah, let me get this money, let me get these Jordans. Why are we investing in stuff they don't care about us? Right. That's that's, that's that's another thing. That's right. But I mean, like I said, we just we, we just we forget too easily. Like, hey, you know, hey, hey, Doctor said something like, and it, it kind of it hit me. It hurt me first. Of all, I don't want to let you know that though. <laughs> you said that we for, we we forget we forget too easily. Um, but I, it, I, I, it hurt me before I, you finished what you were saying. But you weren't talking about like being forgiven. You were talking about like just forgetting stuff. You know, right? Yeah. But um. And and that's and that's 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 kind of, that's that's really kind of true. And when and when Charles said, "Hold on, who said that we was?" Yeah, no, 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 no. Uh, Dorsey was saying that we are understood, we are misunderstood, and mm -hmm. I think that is more powerful than what we think because the main reason why we are being treated the way that we are being treated is because of that. They if they knew the black person really in our hearts, think about it. Like what black person you know is just just born violence you know what black person you know just walk around with rage and just want to kill people you know what black people yeah. you know that even they just really want that's just really out there looking for revenge right. this stuff right. comes from something you know what i mean and, right. if, and i think if the enemy knew by you know just how we may in our dna we are we are really great people we are forgiven because right now what we all we want is equality we ain't That's out it. there seeking for revenge. Right. Right. Even, right. even when Dr. Kingdom was doing what they was doing, 
They just wanted equality. But when they start talking about equality, economic equality, they killed them. But, you know, and we still haven't tried to, and I think a lot of it is because of their guilt, what they know they deserve, but that's not our heart though. Right. You know, that's just not the type of people that we are. You know what I mean? We right. we we just not built that way. God didn't make us that way. And the only time, only, only way that only time we are violent, because we are pushed into this survival of the fittest. What a frustration! You and me. Yeah. Dave Dave Bell said it best. He said when that dude killed uh uh four police officers, they had over a hundred police officers at his house. And it was like, oh, why you use all these people for one person that killed y'all? Because the way them police officers felt, those like a brotherhood, that's the same way black people feel. Right. Like when you kill a black person, of course we're gonna come with with the heat. That's I mean, like we're we're tired of that. So, but we also have to understand this though, our can't realization that when I started to read more, I read the Bible still, but I can't confuse God with man decisions. I learned how to do that. And that saves me so much time and confusion what goes on with the world. Because right. a lot of people will make a decision on based on what they do and put it in God's place when it's really not a fact. So the way Christianity brought to us, I understand how it brought to us in the wrong way. Don't make it false and don't make it not true. But it can help you with the form of guidance and, and understanding. Because we're not the only ones suffer here. Even the people in Jerusalem, they had their segregation going on the way we live in now. That's why it's a cycle. That's why it's the same. So we have to understand that the cars, the house, money, credit, it's good to know and build yourself while you can, but you can't take it with you when you die. It's all about your mental state. We over here chasing something that we can't even take with us. I understand we want to build stuff for our kids, but mm. all this right here is all mental. It's like we got to look out for each other and not worry about, oh, let me – Rob this dude TV because it's gonna give me four hundred dollars. Right. It's gonna, you know what I mean? Like we look at value and we look at man-made stuff as a blessing, and not look at the intellectual uh, learning process more as a blessing. See, right. we, we kind of weigh in the different because I look at a blessing of somebody knowing knowledge, something that I don't know that I can learn from them, mm. rather than somebody have a job that get paid five thousand dollars. Uh, because he can clap his hands and put a chip in a in a in a cell phone, like. And that's and that's why I look up to people like Tredavious White, and you know y'all know uh, the, the people in Shreveport, uh, they know that Green Oaks is not, it, it's a great school, but it's perceived not to be one of the best schools in the city, but to me that's false. But Tredavious White grew up kind of how we grew up, Elmo, uh, deep in the hood. He's a good friend of mine. Yeah, yeah. And I, I've interviewed him uh, once or twice. And but just I look up to him as a, a true success story because he went to a school that wasn't as, you know, it wasn't like Bird or the school that we went to. But he was a valedictorian. Uh, or not, well, he yeah, was valedictorian in the school and he got recruited for football at LSU. And he was a beast. He was number 18 in LSU, which is like the best athlete in, uh, on the team if you have number 18. So definitely a, a high honor. But he was heavily recruited. And most people know that if you're a black athlete, most of the time that if you, you, you only go to college to play for a couple of years and you go to the NFL or go to the NBA. But Tredavious White knew how it was in his hometown, knew how he grew up and wanted better. This goes back to what Elmo was saying. 
he knew how it was and how the family was. And but guess what he did? He said, you know what? I know I can get millions of dollars right now if I skip school. He stayed, he stayed the course and he stayed at LSU for his senior year, graduated, then went to the NFL. And so that's the success story that I see in Shreveport that more people should see that. Like we were top athletes, you know, black people were not are known to be one of the best athletes. But this guy understood the bigger picture. Hey, because my knees can blow out tomorrow. But guess what? If I have my education, like I can be anything I want to. And that's what we need to see more of. And uh, I want to thank you all so much just for even just being part of this dialogue. We're going to jump to uh, something else coming up in the next block. Uh, stay tuned. Hey, everybody. Lee here. And guess what? The reviews are in and the Straight Up Show podcast is a hit. Don't believe me? Well, listen to what one of our guest panelists, Dr. Monique Thompson, has to say. Listen, y'all listen in to Straight Up and support this podcast because I listened in before I came on the show. I liked what I heard. They're really focusing on keeping things real and being real with you. And I like that approach. So you guys support this podcast. So if you want to listen, donate to the show, have a subject idea, or even want to be a guest, just contact us at straightupshow at gmail.com. That's straightupshow at gmail.com. Thank you.